Rick is teaching from Ephesians 1, 1 through 6 this morning. And it says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. Leave that up there for a second, Trey. Um, didn't realize that until just now as Kelly was reading that over us. Um, Christ is there a lot, isn't it? Um, and Christ is not the last name of Jesus. It's the office of Jesus. He is Savior, Messiah, the long-awaited, anointed one that is Christ. Um, fascinating. Uh, so, last week we kind of launched the series a little bit, talking about Ephesians 5.21, um, that is submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, and I think kind of the hinge verse of the entire book. But this morning we get into the book in earnest, and I want to tell you about the, the book itself. Ephesians is a letter written by Paul to a church in a city called Ephesus. It's a letter that's deeply heartfelt and very emotional for Paul because he dearly loves these people and he's teaching them about the incredible benefit that they have in Christ. And then what our response is to that incredible benefit. And I want you to see, I need you to see, I think Paul also needs you to see the, the order of events is Christ and all that he is and all that his benefits are presented first and then any activity that it's our compelled response to that. So... The heart of the gospel is present in that order. It's not do these things and then you can have a relationship with Jesus. It's engage with who Jesus is and what he did and then that changes, that compels us to change who we are and and what we do. Um, The cool part about this story, this book and it's, um, hit the the next slide, the the title slide there, Trey. Um, this is kind of on some posters around the room, uh, especially like upstairs. But I want this is a letter, a, a letter like you and I would write, or like you and I used to write before email existed. Um, it's, it's heartfelt to a group of friends, and this is uh, sometimes we get lost in the fact that we're studying the Bible, and we think that this is just this is book type literature. This is a letter that was written by a guy to some friends of his. And I want, I want us to see that. And the intentionality of this title slide is that it's just a letter written to a bunch of people that Paul really dearly and deeply loves. Um, and it's written to a group of people that he dearly and deeply loves that are part of a church. And so there's an assumption from the beginning that these people that are hearing this letter are committed to a local church. They, they follow Christ and they believe that, Christ, that Jesus is the Christ and that they've confessed their sins and that he has saved them from their sins. So there's that, that sort of innate like understanding, presupposition as, as we come to what Paul writes. 
And the cool part about the letter and about this story is that we're part of a church. We're committed to being a part of a church. And so we can insert ourselves into the story. So we can, a lot of scripture, we incorrectly contextualize that scripture and think that they're talking directly to us. That's not always the case. In Ephesians, we can insert ourselves into the story. This is Paul saying, here's who you have in Jesus. And then this is what it means to be a church because of who you are in Jesus. You follow that? So we can fully and easily and readily insert ourselves into the church or into the, the story. Um, so um, one thing that I want you to see at the beginning of this, actually for like the next five weeks when we're talking about chapter one and all that we have in Christ, I want you to see the, the active verbs and the passive verbs and who is who's creating and who is being created and what's happening. The, everything that, that deals with us, with you and I, is passive. Everything that deals with, with Jesus is active. So we're not doing anything. Jesus is doing all of the doing. Does that make sense? Jesus is doing all the doing. Um, I hope that that communicates to you. Let's see that and, and see this. Understand this, that God is actively, if we can insert ourselves into Ephesians and we're here in this place, I want you to know that God is actively pursuing you. And I want that to sit on you for a second. God is actively pursuing you. Um, Last week, uh, after church, I got a text that said, hey, I have two tickets to the PGA last day. Would you like to go? And I grabbed Cooper and we ran home and changed clothes and we went out to the golf course and watched. Do you guys remember like last week, there's this big event, like the best golfers in the world were here in our city. And I'm a big, I love golf. And so like when he said, I got two tickets, I like booked it out there. It was exciting. So we got out there just a few minutes before Tiger Woods was about to start his round. And there were just people everywhere, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people everywhere following him around. And uh, as we got there, it was really hot. And we got there like later, the, the gates opened at like seven and we got there at like 1.15 or 1.30. And so people had already staked out their spots. There wasn't a lot of place to sit. So I'm like, okay, Cooper, we're going to go out to this hole where we can see these events. So we get out there and we see a couple of players, but we're like dodging in and out of these thousands of people that are there. And so we don't really see any shots. And like we just see people like walking by. Hey, there's that guy. Hey, there's that. Hey, there's Tiger. Hey, there's that guy. And so we don't really engage much of it. And as we're walking, I look up and I see like there's this... Um, title sponsor tent. I don't even remember who it was, but whoever the title sponsor of the event was, they've got this big grand like tent with like air conditioning and, and a buffet and all that. And I'm like, man, I wish that I was cool enough to be a part of that. And, and I could take Cooper inside of this tent. We could get some AC, we'd get a better vantage point. But every time we'd get to a spot where we'd want to stop and watch, there were like 20 people in front of us where the grandstands are full. There's really no place to watch the event. So I was getting frustrated that there was no place for us to be, no place for us to engage this tournament. Um, we walked that day 6.4 miles. Um, 
all around this golf course. And most of that was walking over. We're going to go over this way to try to, to try to get a good spot. Oh, that's not a good spot. We're going to go back over here, try to get a good spot. And we spent like the first two and a half hours trying to find a good spot. And we never did find a good spot. So finally, I'm like, I'm really frustrated. I look at Cooper. I'm like, man, you just, just want to, you want to go home. And we both decided, let's, let's try one more time. So we start walking and we find this really random spot like across the rope. So that the, the golf course is like roped off, so you can't walk out on the golf course. So it's, we found this across the ropes. This place was not very many people sitting. And uh, we, we stand right, like right up against the ropes, and it's the 16th hole, so right towards the end where it's going to get really important in a little bit. And so we, we get there, and there's very few people there, and then we start to hear this, this like roar building, and it's Tiger's coming. Like he's in the next group. He's going to be playing the next hole. And like now where there's, was just me and Cooper and 15 or 20 other people, there's literally people shoulder to shoulder all the way up the fairway, 25 people deep because Tiger's here and everybody wants to be in, in this spot. And then he plays the hole and, and he's gone. And there's two groups that are behind Tiger. And then I look around and there's now once again, 15 or 20 people in the spot that we found. And uh, the next group comes by, and then the guy who eventually won the tournament is in the last group, and we see him hit the shot of the tournament. He basically wins the tournament on the hole we're watching with 25 people around us. It was incredible to, to actually get to engage that. And, and the point that I'm making here is that we spend a lot of our lives seeking the thing that we think we're looking for. And we wish that we could have that, or we wish there just weren't so many people around us, or we wish that we had a better viewpoint, a better place to watch this life happen. And then we, we kind of get to the place where we're like, oh man, I just, this isn't going to work. This isn't what I hoped it would be. I hope that we could get to see all these great players. I hope we could do this. This isn't what I hoped that it was going to be. And so we just slump our shoulders and say, do you want to just go home? And then... We accidentally make our way to a random place that winds up being everything that we hoped that it would be. And I think that this God pursuing us is there, is found there. Um, So the heart of this message this morning is... 6.4 miles we spent walking looking for something. And I think what God wants to say to me, he said to me this week, and what he wants to say to you is stop walking. I'm going to find you. And uh, I understand that people, there's a lot of different life that's happening around the people that are here and listening to me talk. Um, But... The fact is, God is pursuing you. Right now, in this moment, he's pursuing you. And I think that we do well to just stop and let him pursue us. Again, the active voice of God here in Ephesians. So I want to look at um, just a few verses this morning, not all of them. Starting in verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, in Christ, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Um, 
Do you guys um, know, I don't really know how to do it because I'm 47 years old and I don't know how to work my phone most of the time, but there's something in an, in an iPhone where you can send a, a text with fireworks, right? Are, am I with you? Like, thank you. Morgan's laughing and smiling at me like, yes, that's in fact true, Rick. So you can do that. And I want you to know that that's like, if, if I was cool enough, I would like have put it on the screen. You could see a text happen with fireworks happen. But this verse should be sent via iPhone with fireworks attached to it. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, look at the, the activity. Christ has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. How, which blessings have you been blessed with, with Christ in the heavenly places? Which of them? Every, all of them. That's, in, that's, that's incredible, exciting news. Like there's nothing that you lack. I'm wandering around 6.4 miles with a golf course looking for something. And here, Jesus has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And what that means, that in the heavenly places peace means, is that your eternity, your ability to be in the presence of God eternally and right now are fully secure. There's nothing that you have done to get in them, in them, and there's nothing that you can do to get out of them. They are fully, completely secure. This is your position. You want for nothing and you need nothing. You don't need to do better. You don't need to be better. You don't need to give more money. You don't need to be in church more. You don't need to serve in a soup kitchen. You don't need to do any of that to secure for yourself spiritual blessings. They're already yours because of Jesus Christ. A lot of those things are results of that security, but they aren't the cause of that security. You follow the difference? What you do doesn't bring that security. Jesus has already established it. Verse 4 even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. He chose you. Get ready. This is some, some really deep, um, I've done some parsing of some Greek words that come up with this next part. So pay close attention. He chose us in him means he chose us in him. He chose you. I want you, if you have a, a, if you've ever had a hint of insecurity in your brain, ever, and by the way, I'm talking to every one of you when I say that, know that the God of the universe chose you. You have one hero in this world, and his name is Jesus, and you have one enemy, and his name is Satan, and the only weapon that he has against you is to get you to believe something that's not true. My intent this morning is to speak 
the truth to you to combat our enemy and his lies. Jesus chose you. Don't get it twisted. He chose you. Again, God is pursuing you. He's wooing you. Jesus chose you before the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world means before the foundation of the world. Which means he chose you before you ever took a breath. Before you ever committed a sin. Before you ever were a failure that you might think you are. Before anything that caused you to have that insecure thought. God chose you before that. If that's true, your worth, your fitness, your lovability is completely not relevant. Or what you think your worth is, is, not, is probably better said to be not relevant. Because your worth has already been established by the fact that Jesus chose you before the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world, you guys. Before he said, let there be light, he chose you. What if I were to tell you that this shirt is red? What if I were to say, this shirt is red and we were to have a conversation, you said, no, Rick, that shirt is not red. And then I went on some eloquent speech about how the fact you just don't understand the nuance and subtleties of color. Or maybe there's something wrong with your brain that makes you think that you're seeing black when you're actually seeing red. And there's something wrong with you that, that everyone else in the world knows that this shirt is red. And there's something wrong with you. Or the way that you see or understand color, there's something wrong. One of two things, is gonna, if I go into this long, long monologue about your failure to see color, one of two things is going to happen. You're going to think Rick has lost his mind, he's a nut, it's clearly black. Or you're going to think, wait a second, is, and you may, is this shirt, is that shirt red or black? The shirt is black. And I say all that to get you to, to, to know that we have one enemy and his name is Satan. And the only thing that he gets you, gets you to do, the only weapon that he has is to get you to believe something that's not true. He's going to tell you that a shirt is red when it's clearly black. And he's going to tell you in such a creative and eloquent way that you might think that that shirt is red. But God chose you before the foundation of the world that you should be holy and blameless. That's one of, my, one of my favorite phrases, that you should be holy and blameless. You are holy and blameless. There's nothing that you need to stand in the presence of God. He's provided it all for you. You're holy and blameless. Verse 5, in love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. 
Predestined is a word that trips a lot of people up because we get all worked up about theology. But predestined just means God chose it beforehand. Um, Don't let this word trip you up because there's gold in what follows here afterwards. But the value of this word is God established before he established anything that you would be adopted. It's got nothing to do with your being right or thinking right or doing right, but everything to do with what he's already done. I heard a pastor last week say this, your faithlessness does not change his faithfulness. Say that again. Your faithlessness, your faithlessness does not change or deter his faithfulness. Because it's already happened, it's already done, it's already been done. Adoption, I found this this week. I've studied this passage many times, but I I looked at this Greek word this week. Adoption is a Greek word that's a compound word. It means to make and a son. So adoption is to make, and to make is the same word when you create something, something is created, a son. I have these, these journals here in front of me. Um... Travis Wagner, who's not here today, who's been a part of this church for a long time, is uh, an artist and he knows that I love to journal. And one day I was writing in a journal that I, wrote, I bought from uh, Barnes & Noble and he said, you'll never write in a journal again that has been sold to you by a mass-produced company. Travis, you know Travis. Um, so what he did, he started with this one. He made this journal for me um, and he made it, this is like a, a bag of some kind that's the is the outside of it and then he he actually made this paper he put it like blended paper together with water and stuff and he he, he made paper and this was the first journal that he made for me um, and this is this is really this this one in particular is really important to me um, it's probably going to fall apart one day because he kind of threw it together um, and then he gets better as it goes this is um, he finds old books. This is a book called The Harvard Classics, Sacred Writings. Um, and he tears out all the pages and then fills them up with blank pages and then sews this together. This one's falling apart a little bit. Um, and he created this on the outside um, because he's an artist. And he kind of used a, a rusty instrument to put some glue and paint mixture together on the outside. Um, and I sat and stared at it and tried to come up with something, couldn't, why that's there. Uh, Travis probably has a great indication of why it's there. Um, this is a book uh, also that he found, Dangerous Sea Creatures. I don't know why he, but, um, but it, it's also, he sewed new paper into this one. Um, this one uh, is the most recent one. This is the one I'm on right now. It's my, my favorite one that he's ever given to me. It's... Um, a book called Wild at Heart by John Eldridge um, from many years ago that I'll tell you what I think about this book later. Um, but he cut it this way and then he cut it that way and it now just says art. Instead of Wild at Heart, it just says art. So he cut out the Wild at H-E and scratched out John Eldridge's name. And now I get to, to write in this journal and... Um, 
one of the first things that he and I talked about is that we're going to redeem something. And we're like something is broken. He broke this book and then replaced it with some blankness. And so we're going to do it together. Um, I say all of that because Travis made that stuff for me to create. He made it. He actually took something and made something and, and gave it to me as a gift. The word adoption is a compound word to make. And I want you to think about this idea of what, it, what some people made some dessert for lunch afterwards today. Um, you made stuff. I want you to know, as at the, at the brink of us trying to figure out what it means for North Church to be North Church. And then the people that make up North Church to be followers of Christ together. And all, like, all of, all with that, like, we could, I could talk to you for hours and hours about that. I, I like, that's the heartbeat of who I am. I want to talk to you about who we are as a community, who we are as a church, who God is calling, all that stuff. But I want, I want at the heart of this all to see that God has adopted us. And what that means is he has, he has made us. Just like Travis made these. Something that was broken. He's made new. And the, the thing that he's made in us is he, he now has made us his kids. And understand that when God makes something, it stays made. God has made, and, and look at all of that language. Trey, can you go back and put, put the, the whole thing up there, Ephesians 1, 1 through 6? Um, audible here. Uh, start in verse 3. Look at all of the, the solid things that it, God has done. He has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless. He predestined us for adoption as sons. All, like, it's just secure language everywhere. Don't ever doubt, you guys. Whose you are. Don't ever, ever doubt it. Um, Trey, go back to, to verse 5. Put that back up there alone. Um, to the purpose of his will, this language is beautiful. And many times I say how the English language is weak in comparison to the Greek. And this is a great example. To the purpose of his will, this language, there's a beauty that's lost in the translation. There's an idea that's embedded in these words, and it's kindness. So to the purpose of his will means God, like he imposes his will in this context, means he's imposing kindness. You ever had somebody who's just really kind and their voice is really kind or just their, their person is really kind or, or even the other way around. When somebody walks into a room, you're like, oh, 
Or when somebody walks in the room, you're like, oh, yes, that's exciting. That idea, what's happening there, is what's laced in this, the purpose of his will. God is imposing his kindness. So he has made you a child of his by imposing his kindness. And then the last verse is, we're just quickly here. Verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace. Um, one of the foundational phrases for this church when we first started was this one, to the praise of his glorious grace. You are to the praise of the glorious grace of God. You are a commercial for the, for the grace of God. And it comes at the end of him speaking all these words of security into your insecurity. And it comes at the, at the brink of Paul teaching about what it means to be a part of a church. So foundationally, what it means to be a part of a church is to be built and established on the foundation that Jesus Christ has laid. And there would be no hint of insecurity in who you are and whose you are. And then we become a collective, the Ephesian church in particular here, but North Church in particular in our context becomes a collection of people fully and completely secure in what Jesus has done to us and for us and in us and through us. All of that, all of that foundation is rooted in Jesus Christ alone. And we are a collective of people, totally and completely secure. And I understand, I I fully understand the lie that I just told. We are not a collective of people fully secure in who we are in Christ. But that's a freaking lie. And it makes me so mad because it's the heart of who I am. And we're so, we have this deep need for one another because we fail we we fall we we lend towards insecurity we lend towards not just insecurity with god but with each other because we're stupid and we're sinful and we're mean and we're not kind but the foundation of the church big church and the foundation of of this church is all of this security that, that Paul has talked about. And then we might lean on one another to continually remind ourselves of the absolute security of whose we are. And that's what it means to be a church. that we lean on each other and we hurt each other and we help each other and whatever. But at the heart of it, we become, when we're acting the way that God has intended us to act, we become to the praise of his glorious grace. We become a commercial for the grace of God. And I pray that that's who we are. And I pray that that's who God makes us into. 
And I pray that you would give me the grace to fail you. And I pray that I would give you the grace to fail me. And we all acknowledge our sin and sit at the, at the foot of Jesus, confident in who he is and what he's done. Um, let's pray. God, thank you for Jesus. Um, thank you for the eternal security that he's provided for us. Thank you that you chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless, adopted to the purpose of your will. God, allow us to experience your kindness and your mercy and your, the strength of who you are and rest in that. Thank you for the eternal security of Jesus Christ. God, teach us as a church what it means to be a church. Guide us, lead us. We love you and we trust you and we give our lives to you. Be with us now as we respond to you. In Christ's name, amen.